Hello, everyone, and welcome to this Triangles Meditation Group webinar. Today is August 28th, 2023, and we're so glad to have all of you joining us here today to take part in this very important work. Triangles is a service activity which links men and women of goodwill from all over the world in a planetary service. Each day, members link mentally with other members of their triangle or triangles. They invoke the energies of light and goodwill, visualizing these energies as circulating through the three points of their triangle and pouring out through the network of triangles surrounding the planet. At the same time, they repeat the great invocation, thus helping to form a channel for the downpouring of light and love into the consciousness of humanity. The power of the Triangles Network, which we come here today to support, comes from its work in the subtle world of ideas and causes which underlie the outer world of effects. Increasingly today, increasingly today, people are coming to a recognition of the power of thought, of the power of meditation and especially when performed in group formation. Triangles members work with an understanding of the spiritual needs of the world, and through the perceived, and though this perceived need will necessarily differ based on each member's unique perception and worldview, all workers share that same desire for right human relations. They seek to spread light and goodwill among all peoples, and generally to raise the level of human consciousness and transform the mental and spiritual climate of our planet. Membership transcends all barriers of race, of nationality, of class, and of political conviction. And so this webinar today is organized to give Triangle's participants an opportunity to come together in support of the network and we, of course, are also here today to help to introduce new members to its work and hopefully to, to draw them in and to support the forming of, of new triangles. And so if you'd like to form a triangle today, um, please feel free to post your name in the chat and hopefully we can find two others to, to start a new triangle. If you're new and you'd like more information, um, also, please put your name into the chat box, and we're happy to, to send you some, some of that information and to answer any questions you might have. So before we proceed um, any further, we're going to next do a short visualization on the five planetary centers, followed by the sounding of the mantra on your screen. And so we begin by visualizing a sphere of lighted energy. The sphere of energy is the planet itself. And now we visualize within that sphere, a triangle. 
This is the triangle of the three primary planetary centers, Shambhala, the planetary head center, the spiritual hierarchy, the planetary heart, and humanity, the planetary throat center. We visualize the circulation of energies flowing in all directions around the triangle from point to point, merging and blending the three points and filling the triangle with light. Now superimposed upon that triangle, visualize a five-pointed star. This is the star of the world teacher, linking east and west, past and future, and radiating the energy of love wisdom. At each point of the star, which is the sphere of his activity, stands an outpost of his consciousness. These are the five planetary centers. We visualize the energies radiating forth from the center and through the five points of the planetary star. London. Darjeeling. New York, Geneva, Tokyo. Visualize these outpouring energies, enlivening small groups gathering everywhere, aiding them to focus and direct the energies into the consciousness of all humanity. Sound the mantrum. Radiance we are and power. 
we stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need. We reach into the silent place and bring from thence the gift of understanding. Thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day. So we have a special guest lined up today, a returning guest actually, Gary Marks, who will be speaking on the theme, the three stages of discrimination. And um, before the meditation, I'd like to share a few thoughts on the theme of sight and the dissipation of glamour, which is um, closely related to this, this quality of discrimination, which Gary is going to be talking about, and also, of course, very closely related to our triangle's work. In fact, the uh, mantra that we just spoke is given by the Tibetan in his, in his writings on the dissipation of glamour. Um, and so when we think about the sight and really about all the five senses, um, we're reminded that these five senses, at least the ageless wisdom teaches, were developed and exist in order to direct the thinker, the human being, towards discovery of some aspect of the not-self, whether that not-self is the, the personality, the mind, body, emotional nature, or any one of the various objects in one's environment. Through the means of the senses, one discovers and develops a relationship with the material world. Knowledge of that which is the not-self leads eventually to the opening of the way and the first conscious steps upon the path. Through dissatisfaction with the world of form, of unreality, and of material existence, the inner spiritual man awakens and the journey home begins. And so this sense of sight specifically is perhaps one of the most fundamental to acquiring the knowledge necessary to free oneself from the prison house of form. For it is through clear sight and the attainment of the vision that one acquires the power to dispel the glamour which veils and hides the real, the beautiful, and the true. Sight in the most basic and physical sense has to do with movement and space. It grants the ability to relate oneself to others spatially and through movement. It therefore also has to do with place. And through the development of the higher correspondences of sight, one comes to know their place in the whole order of things. Through sight, a whole network of unseen and invisible relationships become known. It is perhaps for this reason 
that sight is also considered to be in many ways the synthesis of the other five senses. Specifically, the ageless wisdom refers to it as the, quote, correlating sense of the solar system. And it lies in many ways at the center of the whole mystery of relationship, of attraction, and of that which binds the many parts into one whole. All senses have their subtle and higher counterparts. Physical sight, for instance, becomes clairvoyance on the astral and mental planes. On the buddhic plane, it is divine vision, the registering of perfect or pure truth and reason, directly and free of all veils and distortions. On the atmic plane, it is known simply as realization, wherein the seer or adept quite literally sees within the heart of the system macrocosmic and microcosmic the one self in many forms. Throughout the early and intermediate stages of the path, the aspirant and disciple are concerned with the development of sight on the mental plane. This is not so much the psychic faculty of clairvoyance per se, but rather the ability to utilize the mind as an organ of vision, to discern the real from the unreal, and to discriminate between the many lines of energy and force which pour through soul and personality in order to utilize them in creative service to the plan. The knowledge which the employment of the higher senses grant is key to perfecting the relationship between the self and the not-self, between the thinker and his environment. This clarity of sight and the right proportion that it brings are the first steps towards the at-one-ment of soul and personality. And this is foundational to the elevation and redemption of human civilization. Specifically, the clear perception of the trained mind is key to identifying and eventually overcoming the deceptive and elusive nature of what is called the astral plane. The energy of the astral plane is primarily an expression of the sentient desire life of the human race. It is composed primarily of the past. It is the result of wrong thinking, of selfish desires, and of the many misinterpretations of the purposes of life throughout aeons. The various forms and glamours which exist on the astral plane are substantial, so we are told, and in fact are even more dense immaterial than thought forms, which the Aegis wisdom teaches are definite and clear-cut forms which the human being creates to embody some meaning or idea. Whereas thought forms are said to be geometric and clearly defined, glamours are vague and enveloping, and therefore more difficult to distinguish. They're likened to a dense fog through which the light of the sun or soul only barely or partly can shine through. Glamour on the astral plane can only be dissipated by the bringing in of the energy of the mind, motivated and directed by the soul. Doing so releases the full potency of the mind and enables the work of the soul to go forward to the fullest degree. The specific, the specific process is called the technique of light, 
and it is through the employment of this technique that illumination flows forth from the soul and irradiates the ideals, the circumstances, the events, and experiences upon this plane. It reveals cause and meaning, and it clarifies the vagueness and distortions of the astral plane by granting knowledge of the real. This clarification leads to the dissipation and eventually the destruction of the astral plane entirely, which leaves the geometric, the more geometric forms of the mental plane no longer obscured. The technique of light is performed by the soul whose nature is light. And it is clearly laid down in the Raja Yoga system of Patanjali, which is composed of five stages, concentration, meditation, contemplation, illumination, and inspiration. But to properly wield this light of the soul requires more than just this. It requires, in fact, moving entirely from the stage of mystical vision to a practical understanding of fusion and at which is characteristic of the occult or esoteric path. The mystic experience culminates in the at and in many ways it is here that the path of occultism truly begins. The power to use the light of the soul as a dissipating agent of world glamour comes only when the many symbols of soul and personality are transcended and one begins to identify with this center of light, becoming oneself that irradiating center. When the esotericist learns to fuse the material light, which is inherent in the atomic substance of his body, with the light of the soul, he is said to shine forth as a light bearer. With the purified light of matter and the irradiating light of the soul at once becoming blended and focused. The use of this light rapidly dispels personal glamour and in time also group glamour and even world glamour once he is initiate. This technique of light is distinct from but closely allied with the triangles network, for the triangles network definitely does aid in the dissolution of world glamour. The work of the triangles network is purely mental and therefore a powerful means of dispelling glamour when rightly focused. The work is fundamentally based on the occult axiom that energy follows thought. And thus triangles members definitely direct thought as a group. It is their task to invoke divine aid and then to direct the invoked energies of light and love to a needy world. The energy is intended to be directed towards the minds of men and women and to impress their minds with ideas that are fundamental to the spiritual evolution of human consciousness. The triangle's work is therefore not a primarily mystical, but rather an occult endeavor, though members at all stages of ability can of course contribute, whether through prayer, meditation, or through a formal understanding of invocation and evocation. It is worthwhile, therefore, for all members to take some time to rededicate and to recommit themselves to this work, 
especially for those who have engaged in this practice over many years, it is easy for the work to become rote or automatic. But in fact, it takes tremendous focus, profound concentration, and a total dedication of mind, heart, and soul during and throughout the whole process of the triangle's daily practice in order for it to reach its fullest potential. It is useful also to recall that the great invocation is itself a great word of power. And like all such words, is ineffective if not uttered by the soul. However, when it is correctly sounded, it both invokes and evokes simultaneously. Through the focusing and fusing of one's very being comes the atonement of soul and matter. And through proper invocation and evocation, one extends that identification even higher and recognizes there is but one self manifesting on every plane and through every life. We, the many linking agents within the network, and through the full dedication of our little wills, can provide the means whereby the life principle at the heart of every triangle can at last begin to govern all facets of human thinking and activity, guiding humanity towards a great spiritual awakening which lies just on the horizon, a renaissance, a rebirth, a renewal, a resurrection, a new beginning. And so without further ado, let us now proceed with our meditation in support of the Triangles Network. We begin by linking in thought as a soul, as a point of love and light with all those people throughout the world who are working with this Triangles Meditation Group. United in aspiration and intention, we sound together the affirmation of love. In the center of all love, I stand. From that center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. Using the creative imagination linked with two other points of light to form a triangle of light.
Visualize the triangle in which you are working as an essential part of the Radiant Worldwide Triangles Network. Hold the consciousness immersed within the light of the group soul, which underlies and infuses the network. Now lift the consciousness even higher to the world teacher who stands as the heart of love at the center of the spiritual hierarchy and also at the heart of each triangle. precipitation. Visualize the energies of love, light, and goodwill circulating in and around the triangles network.
Visualize these energies unifying and eliminating all divisions within humanity, healing and transforming human consciousness, and establishing right human relationships. Sound together the mantra of unification. The sons of men are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight. Let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all people love. Visualize the whole planet alight with triangles and see new triangles being formed everywhere.
sound the great invocation silently or aloud. And as you repeat each stanza, visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity is a channel through which light, love, divine purpose flow into human consciousness. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Mm. Right. Thank you, everyone, for that, for your focused uh, work in meditation today and support of the Triangles Network. So I'd now like to invite Gary Marks um, to come on. Gary, are you there? I'm here. All right. Thanks, Gary. Go ahead and uh, and take it away. The floor is yours. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for um, the excellent presentation, too. Um, my presentation will be on the three stages of discrimination. Discrimination is an important quality for those on the path. Christian Murdy in his book, At the Foot of the Master, states that discrimination is to be practiced not only at the beginning of the path, but at every step, every day until the end. DK defines discrimination as a faculty whereby the self recognizes its own essence in all forms and concerns the duality of self and the not-self. This quality is a method that spirit uses to liberate itself from matter and discern between illusion and that which it veils, including discriminating between life and form and spirit, soul, and body via the use of will, love, and intellect. The following presentation will describe the use of discrimination during three stages. 
The first is the I consciousness stage that distinguishes between oneself and all other forms. This is a preparatory stage that extends to the probationary path. The second stage is between the ego and the personality or operating in the light of the soul, which dif differentiates between the three vehicles and the thinker. This stage occurs between the probationary path and the third initiation. The third stage is between soul and spirit, involving the divine thinker and the monad, which occurs after the third initiation. Discrimination requires the use and development of manas or mind via meditation, including the development of a concrete mind, soul, and abstract mind. This involves Raja Yoga and is vital in building the bridge between the higher and lower self, such as with the building of the human anakrana. Intuition or heart is sometimes linked to discrimination, but it's important to note that while it may initially be used to solve individual problems in the light of the soul, eventually from the buddhic plane, intuition is used to solve problems of humanity via group service and the hierarchical plan. The first phase or preparatory stage of discrimination may occur in secondary schools or higher institutions where logic and critical thinking is taught. While it may be perceived as elementary, this stage is vital in developing discrimination, including the eventual integration of the soul, mind, and brain. During this beginning stage, the concrete mind learns to select the good, beautiful, and true, and substitutes these for identifications with the personality. DK states that initially the preparatory stage is theoretical, but eventually the light within is seen and one is ready to move to the second discrimination stage of meditation. The second stage begins the work of distinguishing between the opposites within the light of the soul, such as between essentials and non-essentials, the real and the false, and the lines of demarcation between the forces of light and materialism. This is when the disciple develops discrimination to improve the quality of his service, which eventually progresses from individual to group-oriented work. For example, through meditation, the disciple learns to speak, create, and act from soul qualities of truth, beauty, compassion, and goodwill, and discriminates between the quality of soul unity and the separativeness and divisiveness of the concrete mind and personality. This includes discerning between the real and at times the imposter, which as an aspect of the personality attempts to imitate the soul, but is selfish and materialistic in its motives. That's the false self. Through discrimination, the disciple begins to think, act and express from the light, love and power of the soul. While the goal is to eventually develop soul infusion with its three vehicles, discrimination becomes vital not only on the subjective planes, but in practical daily life. For example, the disciple may use discrimination to identify fields of service in which he has talent, can express aspects of the soul and or identify his niche. He may discern who is best to take on a project. And sometimes it may be someone other than himself who needs the growth and development. Discrimination from the soul may also aid in determining what organizations or businesses should be supported and funded, and those with involutionary tendencies that should be avoided. 
The same pattern may occur with coworkers. DK emphasizes to avoid those coworkers who appear sweet, gentle, and kind, especially when they lack commitment. And instead, seek those who have developed a commitment toward the betterment of humanity, are beginning to cooperate with the plan, and are expressing the impulse of love. When I was an educational administrator and needed to form specific committees, I sought educators who had the commitment to the ideals and objectives of the project, even if their views were different than mine, and at times they could be somewhat challenging to work with. In general, discrimination is an experiment, and through failures and successes and aspiring deeper within the light of the soul, the disciple eventually fine-tunes his ability to distinguish and discern between the opposites. The third stage of discrimination involves the soul and monad. To introduce this stage, I will use a metaphor of a radio and a style. Many years ago, because of school and work, I had to drive long distances in the western part of the United States, including at night. During these trips, I would attempt to find radio stations, but initially I would mostly get static, which is symbolic of the personality. After fine-tuning with the dial, it would eventually locate a radio station, which is symbolic of using seed thoughts and visualizations during meditation and discriminating between a specific vibration, note, and or aspect of the plan. Thus, as an inner group contacts a specific higher vibration or note, the expression from this contact becomes right creation, right use of appropriate devas, right action, and right speech. For example, an inner group may strive and discriminate between the vibration of its soul group, the master's focal point within the ashram, the master's ray vibration, and or eventually as a member of hierarchy, the frequency and vibration of Sirius. This ability to discriminate between frequencies enables an ashramic group to invoke and express purpose, will, and aspects of the plan within the cosmic physical plane, uplifting humanity, and increasing the sacredness of the planet. Initially, the disciple may experiment by distinguishing his soul ray vibration, the ray and vibration of his three vehicles, and then progress to more advanced stages. Other forms of discrimination by an inner group during the third stage includes the development of telepathy and learning to distinguish between energy and forces. As a disciple develops telepathy, he learns to discriminate between messages from his own soul and those which are more group-oriented and hierarchical in nature, such as direct messages from the master. In addition, the initiate learns to distinguish between the energies of life and the soul and forces in the phenomenal world. This presentation will conclude with the following mantra exemplifying discrimination. Lead me, O Lord, from darkness to light from the unreal to the real, from death to immortality, from chaos to beauty. Thank you. Thank you so much, Gary. That was a really uh, clear and enlightening presentation, I think, for everyone. So, you know, at least I speak for myself, I got a lot out of that. So thank you. The, the clarity really brought a lot of things home. Um, and we do have uh, 15 minutes now, so plenty of time for some group discussion on the theme of uh, the three stages of discrimination or on the theme of triangles generally. 
And so the floor is now open if anybody would like to raise their hand, if they'd have a comment or question and would like to share audibly, you can raise your hand by going to your Zoom toolbar, clicking on uh, reactions, and then clicking raise hand. Um, this is also a time if you're new to the triangles where you can have a question, you could ask it now. And uh, also, of course, people are free to type in the chat box as well if they don't want to uh, turn on their microphone and all of that. But Gary, I, I wanted to say I really appreciated um, your, your framing of the whole question of discrimination, which is an inherently separative faculty. And uh, by starting off by with it with with the Tibetans' definition that this is a faculty quote whereby the self recognizes its own essence in all forms, and so you think okay, well discrimination, you know, you're separating basically this from that, distinguishing this from that, what's good or bad, real and unreal. But at the same time, you know that's uh, uh, recognize that you know one fully developed you recognizing yourself in all those different forms basically because even though they're the not self in one way there is that sort of essence life essence that is the that is one in sort of all things so i just want to say i really appreciated that so thank you um gary can you see the chat or, or read it are you able to yeah and i, oops, and I i'll just send you to get there so okay so there are a few comments i mean it looks like if you want to read the one from yeah me. i'm reading i i see what what i can say or comment on it okay there is an interesting comment here from bob lamonica says challenging glamour conflicts with sexual capital which is an, an interesting way to frame that i think but uh uh sort of a good point i think <laughs> actually i think for me just um one I'm kind of piggybacking on what you were saying what's really important to develop is that uh, continuity of consciousness so that we yeah. are perceiving the true self or the real. And then we're also perceiving that which is unreal. But what we want to do is build that bridge between the real and then the, um, the objectives as we express um, our ideas, energies, and so forth. Um, I think that piece is, is important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's in a way it sort of resolves a basic occult paradox or not, not basically a cult paradox, but just the paradox that on one hand, the world is separate and we need to distinguish between that which is, you know, good or bad, but at the same time recognize that everything is one and already perfect. You know, it's through this this quality discrimination and all the things you described that sort of find we have to find our way through that paradox. You know, right, right, this, yeah. You know, that's the need for the building of the antikrana and so forth. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a comment here at the very bottom from Sephora, Sephora Jean or Jean or however you pronounce that Jean Jean. Uh, are you able to read that for us, Gary? Or would you like? Is to it that read? I am new to this? Is that yeah, the, yeah, yeah, that yeah, one. yeah, yeah. I think that um, initially 
as DK was saying that that discrimination is more of a theoretical, you know, thinking in terms of the real and, and the unreal, but if it can be moved to the, to the light of the soul and some discriminate, especially using, at least my experience, the soul qualities of, of compassion, truth, beauty, goodness, and just asking yourself, okay, are these thoughts moving, coming from that? Are they not? Um, is there are these um, ideas or projects that I'm maybe involved with? How can I bring forth more truth, goodness in it? I think using those soul qualities is a nice way to start. It's fairly simplistic, but it's a it's a good reference point um, to, to begin with discrimination, mm-hmm. especially if the, if clouds, you know, their thoughts are getting kind of murky and, and cloudy. Yeah, I find especially. Um or one thing that really helps with that is the uh, uh, a practice which is which is done in the arcane school, which is a pretty it's a pretty basic practice. It's called the evening review, and at the evening review, what it is is just every uh, every evening you just sort of recollect back on your day, and just you know try to try to assess everything that happened and your response to it in the most subjective way possible, and so it's really a way of self assessment in a sense, but rather than sort of, you know, focusing on the self throughout the day, it is done all at once at the very end of the day. And so a totally sort of objective perspective can be, can be taken, dispassionate perspective be taken. I think it's a good point. And I lately have been using um, harmlessness and I just Mm -hmm. find that going over the day, it's almost like fine tuning again. There's like a note and you can get harmlessness. How would I, uh, handle this maybe a little bit differently, but just how could it be a more harmless in that particular interaction? And, yeah. and, and it's yeah, kind of the, you know it's exactly what you were saying. Yeah. Um, we do have a hand here from Bob LaMonica. So I'm going to ask you to unmute. Bob, go ahead once you unmute. Bob, are you there? Because we can't hear you. You're unmuted, but we can't hear you. So you might need to adjust your sound settings. Bob, if you go to your microphone where it says mute, there's an arrow pointing upward or downward, and you can select the proper microphone so we can hear you. But right now we don't hear anything. Okay, well, if Bob, if you're able to come on, we'll we'll let you speak, but um, go ahead and and move on. Um, there was something else you brought up, Gary, which I thought was very interesting or uh, thought was that this idea that discrimination is an experiment and that through failures and uh, successes is like the way you sort of um, find a way to bring out the light of the soul more or less. And um, yeah, I never really, it's, I think, uh, sometimes this work can be very idealistic. You know, we stri- strive for the ideal and sometimes it can be paralyzing when you <clears throat> can't, uh, can't make the ideal or when there's a gap between where you are and where the ideal actually is. And so I think one of the most important things is, uh, yeah, to realize that it is, that it's through experiment and through failure that actually, of course, success as well, that we uh, sort of get to where we're trying to go. So I appreciated you 
And he talks about that a lot. <laughs> he brings that word up a lot. And yeah. I was amazed how often that is. And, and I, I think one example for a lot of us when we're trying to, you know, determine what our soul ray is, what our, maybe our mental, our personality, that can be a part of, part of also experimenting and just keep trying. And maybe you get a note, you get a, something that's, that's, that's harmonious or so forth. And you just get a sense, maybe that is second ray. Maybe that's third ray. Yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Kathleen asks Michael can you please review what we should be visualizing during each stanza of the great invocation thank you um, I mean I c- you can also answer this as well Gary but uh, to me there's nothing specific you should be visualizing I think it's really up for each person to approach that how they how they'd like to on their own, and uh, there's no really right or wrong way to use visualization during the great invocation. And I think, sort of, as we're talking about, you know, you can experiment something definitely to experiment with, and um, and just to find what works best. And different things may work better at different times. Um, uh, I don't know, Gary, if you have anything else to share on that, maybe anything specifically that you have visualized over that, the, that works. Over the years, it's changed. <laughs> I mean, always changes. And I have approached now, but, you know, that may change down the road too. But I think you're right. It, it does, um, it's up to the individual as far as subjectively how they feel it's best to go. I, I've been using a lot with these, um, the, the triangles and many, many triangles. And then my four groups that I'm a part of and, and visualizing the energy and, um, love, light, and power, and so forth, going through and down to humanity on the planet. So, you know, there's, there's different approaches. Yeah. I think it makes sense when you're beginning to visualize to start off with like a a more literal visualization for a lot of people. But for some people, I know for myself included, sort of a very literal visualization is actually more of a barrier for me. And so I tend to try to be more abstract in my visualization and not really visualize images exactly, but more just um, maybe more of a a sense of something or a relationship. Um, Like I said, there's really no wrong way to do it. So, but Bob has his hand up against Bob. I'm just going to try real quick and and to unmute you, see if maybe your microphone's working now. How's that? Yeah, there we go. We can hear you. Okay, cool. Thank you. Go ahead. Um, a beautiful topic, and even the word beauty is, is a discrimination, a discernment. Um, I, 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 I do believe that to some degree, as long as we're embodied, uh, we're going to have a, a paradox to deal with. What I did want to throw into the mix was the concept of mutual respect. I think we're all challenged by beauty. It's, it's like how we discriminate one sunset from another, for example, outside of the human condition, how we look at each other physically. But mutual respect is something that we can all practice. And I wanted to get that out there Mm -hmm. as a way to um, mitigate uh, discrimination. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Bob. I mean, you bring up a very good point that, you know, Oftentimes we're speaking here about discrimination in terms of, you know, discriminating beauty and uh, like what's, what's a, what makes a beautiful work of art beautiful, really. 
Um, but also there's, you know, discrimination in, in the negative sense, and that is such as racial discrimination. And so, uh, yeah, definitely the right and wrong use of that discriminative faculty. And it goes back um, as far as culture, um, mm-hmm. racism, sexism, all these isms, ways to divide humanity um, into um, lords and slaves. I mean, mm-hmm. agriculture. Uh, these are very difficult concepts. And what's fascinating to me now, 2023, is that we're, we appear to be in a cycle where glamour uh, and slogans is becoming political truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's very disconcerting. It happened in Italy. It happened in Germany. And it happens, you know, in, in small subcells of the culture. But we're seeing it rise to the level of being taken seriously that, 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 that a, a politician is, is some guy coming down an escalator, right, uh, with, with, uh, with his trophy wife. Uh, you know, it, it, it's so I wonder uh, what can be done, what you and your guests feel can be done to mitigate the impact of that kind of politics. Um, uh, really good, really good question, Bob. Gary, I don't know, do you have any thoughts? Well, I think where Bob was started with that respect. I mean, I know it's very idealistic, but be able to operate from right human relations, goodwill and so forth. I mean, just as a beginning place was for us, for all human beings. I think that's a, it's a good um, place to begin. But um, boy, there's so many glamours involved with politics. And so it's just, you know, the need to be able to somehow uh, have that distance and have that perspective is, is a challenge. Yeah, I think, I think also just to share, Bob, you sort of, you started off mentioning beauty and, um, you know, there is the mind itself, so at least the lower mind is inherently separative. Like that's the whole fact, the whole purpose of the lower mind is to divide in order to really understand it, to gain knowledge of, of the world of form. But unless it's, you know, not controlled by the soul, it becomes very destructive. But when it is controlled by the soul, the mind actually becomes a means of bridging and of, and of creativity. And um, I, I, I spent the, mo- the first part of my adult life as an artist. I was a professional dancer, and I found uh, the employment of the mind in that sense actually is much more difficult than it may, than it may seem to really... Um, to really utilize the mind in a truly creative faction, to truly bridge between, between the reality and the ideal, to, to, to use it in a really visionary, a truly practical at the same time visionary sense. And so I think what it really takes is, I think more people being able to use the mind in that way. And I think a lot of people already do, but I think in politics, what we see, especially in you know democracies is the sort of, sort of response, sort of automatic response um, by people who aren't quite able to use the mind in that way, perhaps, or I don't want to misspeak, but, but anyway, the whole point of what I'm saying is I think the role of beauty actually is, uh, is underestimated in our society. That's all I would say. Thank you. It was really, really, um, really thoughtful and astute uh, comment. From both of you, thank you. 
Um, it is now 4.01. I know there are a bunch more comments here, but um, but Gary, I'll send you the comments so you can read them um, offline once we're okay. done here, um, if you'd like. And okay. uh, thank you, thank you everyone for all of the all of the the great comments um, today. Thank you for your participation, your support of the Triangles Network, and um, yeah. So, but I think now let's go ahead and close. And Gary, do you have anything, any final thoughts you'd like to share before we before we conclude? I think we've covered a lot of areas, so I think we're fine. Okay, thanks so much, Gary. Uh, let's just end now with a with a moment of silence. Thank you.